church, wherever you may be, spread around. I, look, I know for a fact that um, we are spread around, not only around the city of Albany, but I know we are spread around all over the globe right now. And as Steve said, it's an amazing thing that God has, you know, um, given us this provision to be able to, to be, able to be the church um, with, with uh, tentacles, if you want to use that word, spreading throughout this world. Where in this world there is a lot of fear, where in this world there is a lot of trepidation in the hearts of people right now, and it's essential that we as the church continue. Wasn't that song brilliant? You know, isn't that song what it's all about? How great is our God? He is an awesome God. He's an amazing God. He's a faithful God. He's the God who will never leave us. We quote this verse from Hebrews all the time in this church, don't we? He is a God who will never leave us and never forsake us. He is a God who's promised to be with us even until the end of the age. He's with you right now. No matter where you are, no matter where you're situated in this great world that he has given us, he's right there in the midst. He's right there in the presence and he's right there in the very heart of the circumstance that every single one of us is facing right now. And he is sufficient, isn't he, church? He's sufficient for whatever we are about to face and we need to hang on to him. We need to walk with him. We need to know that he's walking with us. We need to be, you know, just that worship service, you know, just the few of us gathered in this, in this big open space this morning. Um, all sorts of images flooding through my mind as I was listening to Steve pray and as we were worshipping in those songs. You know, the immediate thing that sort of came to my heart was, uh, was, was, the, was uh, the Apostle John when he was, um, he was on the island of Patmos and he was separated from his precious church. You know, he said, I was in the, in the, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You know, and he began to speak those, those wonderful truths of God about, about the age that is to come and those wonderful words of encouragement, that wonderful description of the glorified Christ and entering into the plan of God for mankind. You know, but there he was all by himself. And at the same time, the power, the presence of God was with him. And at the same time, he knew that his heart was connected. And again, I love you know, what Jim says to us all the time, that there is no distance in the spirit. You know, we're together and we're together as we always have been and always will be. That's what the body of Christ is all about. You know, and these images begin to flood my mind. And, and, and of course, what Steve said about, you know, sing it loud, let your neighbours hear it, you know. You know, it reminded me of that, that original call of the church, you know, to be in Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the outermost parts of the world. And I've often heard it said that that, 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 original, um, that original work of God's spirit moving the church throughout the world was like these little embers. Can you see this in your own mind? These little embers from a fire that had been started in the hearts of God's people shooting up into the sky and shooting into the sky out of Jerusalem. They begin to drop down here and there and here and there and all around, all around the land. And those little fires began to burn in people's hearts and the gospel began to be spread. You know what? That's what can be happening right now. Right now, wherever you are, as you're gathered again, as we know, as Steve said, in your lounge rooms or wherever it is that you may be taking advantage of, uh, of being the church and being together, let your light shine. Let the fire of God's presence in your heart burn brightly. Don't let fear overcome you. 
Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't get caught up in the chaotic maelstrom of what's going on in the world around us, but be the church of Jesus Christ and let them see how great is our God, how awesome is our King. You know, and with those thoughts in my mind and so many other images just flooding, um, let's open our Bibles, shall we? Let's open our Bibles. Come with me to the book of Psalms. Come with me to a psalm that is so familiar to so many of us. Come with me to Psalm 27. And, uh, and let's be encouraged together. Let me read these words to you. Again, very familiar, very familiar. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength or the stronghold, your Bible might say, of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this I will be confident. And now these precious words. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. You know what this passage is all about? You know what the psalmist, you know what David is all about? He's all about expressing the great confidence that he has. The great confidence that he has over the fear that is just waiting to grip his heart in a very difficult time in his life. Look, it is generally agreed that when David wrote this psalm, he was just a young man. He was just a young man, in fact, who was running for his life. You see, when this psalm was written, or what this psalm was written about, were the days when David was being pursued by the extremely jealous and somewhat unhinged King Saul who just wanted him dead. You know, it's been well said that King Saul woke up every morning and said in his heart, this is the day that I get David. It's been well said that every night when King Saul laid his head down on the pillow, he said, this is, this or tomorrow will be the day that I'm going to get David. And you know, at the same time, it may well be true that David may have woken up with a similar thought in his mind, thinking maybe this is the day. He might have woken up thinking maybe this is the day that it ends for me. Maybe this is the day that Saul's army is going to catch up with me. You know, it's not unlike the young men who have fought, I should say the young people who have fought in the wars that have been waged between nations throughout the, throughout the generations of mankind. Every single day, the reality was there for those men that were on the front line. Every single day, there was the reality of an enemy that wants to see their demise, that enemy that is constantly pursuing them. And certainly, certainly, there are many people living in the world today that are facing just such an enemy. That's the reality of this man, David, this young man, David who gave us this wonderful, wonderful psalm of hope in the face of the ultimate threat. And it reminds us 
This is what it's all about. It reminds us that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear, not because the threat is not here, no, but we don't have to fear because our God is here. That's where David's heart is. He's saying, he's saying here, do you remember? We just read, he's saying, God is my light. God is my salvation. God is my strength. He is my stronghold. Look, we all know today, don't we? There are many reasons in the world today why a person could be in fear. But let me say this, because of our present reality, our present reality, that we live Christian, and that is in the presence of Christ. And this psalm is saying, we don't have to be fearful. And this is the confidence that the psalmist lived his life in. It's the confidence that we as Christians should likewise be living our life in. Do you want to read it again with me? Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army may be encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. He's talking about a God-centered confidence that expels fear from the heart of the child of God. Did you notice there, he said, the Lord is my light. You know, many years later, John, the apostle, would write, this is the message. We have heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. You know, the Bible says so much about the fact that God is completely, unreservedly, absolutely holy. You know, within God there is no trace of iniquity. Within God there is no hint of injustice. God is light. God is the absolute contrast to darkness. He is not a light. The Bible teaches us that he is the light. It describes the very essence of his being. But what we have to recognize in these days is that what David says here is this, that he is my light. Wherever you are right now, that's what you need to be saying. He is mine. He's my light. Look again, we know that God in his holiness is absolute purity. That he is just, that he hates iniquity, that he shines in the darkness and again the, comp and the, the darkness cannot overcome him. We know, we know that is who God is. We know that he is personified by this image of light throughout the scriptures. But we have to personalize it. Like never before, you and I, we have to personalize it. He is my light. You see, when fear strikes a person's heart, or when fear strikes our hearts, we don't need to know these things about God. 
No, we don't need to know them about God. I need to know that he is my light, that he is my salvation, that he is my strength, that he is my strong tower. You know, one of the great scenes, let me detract a little bit if I can, but one of the great scenes in the Bible for me is Lazarus sitting at the table with Jesus. It was a week before Jesus would be crucified and it was just a matter of days since Lazarus himself was lying dead within a tomb. We know the story, don't we? And Jesus came to him and commanded him to live. But now we come to the scene and now Lazarus is sitting at the table with Jesus. You know, the Bible also tells us that in this same scene that the chief priests were plotting to put Lazarus to death. It says, because on account of him, many of the Jews believed in Jesus Christ. You see, a living Lazarus was bad, bad testimony to those who who were the enemies of Christ. What I'm trying to say here, and the reason I love, I love this scene of Lazarus sitting at the table with Jesus is because he could care less about the threat. He could care less about the looming danger. Again, you go to John's Gospel, you read that story, and you see that people were coming all around to see Lazarus. But there was also the threat. There's also the threat of the enemies of Christ coming in and wanting to snuff his testimony out completely. I love the scene of Lazarus sitting at the table with Jesus because, again, he could care less about that threat. Why? How could he care less about that threat? Because Jesus is his life. Jesus is the one who gave him life and Jesus is sitting right next to him. You know what interests me in this whole story? Is that in John's gospel, he's sitting there, and I want you to get a mental image of this if you can. He's sitting there at the table or reclining at the table. We don't know how it was happening in Mary's house on that day, but he's sitting there and he doesn't say a word. Not a word. In fact, Lazarus, the recipient of the greatest miracle, you might say, Brought back from the dead. He'd been dead in the tomb for four days. He stinketh, the Bible says. And the Lord commanded him to come out and gave him life. And he rose and he stepped out into the lightness of the day. And there he was greeted by the one that gave him life. The interesting thing to me is that there is not one word recorded that came from the mouth of Lazarus. And I think that's by design. I really do. We believe that, don't we, about the word of God? You know why? Because the scene itself, can you see him again with me now? He's sitting there at the table. Jesus is right next to him, right next to him. And Lazarus is sitting there and just the scene says, I am with him. Remember those T-shirts? I'm with But just the scene says, I'm with him and he is with me. Why do I need to be afraid? Why do I need to be afraid? I'm with him. He's with me. 
No need for fear to strike my heart in any way. David said, he, the Lord, is my light. He, the Lord, is my salvation. He, the Lord, is my strength. Why do I need to be afraid? Why do I need to let my heart and my mind become overwhelmed with fear and dread no matter what's going on in this world around me? And please note, please note, when David says these words, he's not just making some positive confession. He's not just trying to talk himself into a healthy mental state of mind. He's not doing that. No, what he says here, this statement is a reality. Why? It's a reality because of God's proven faithfulness to his life. Did you notice that as we read it? Look again at verse 2 and notice the tense of when he, what he says. He's just said, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my strength. And he says, when, verse 2, when the wicked came against me, past tense, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, what did they do in the past tense? They stumbled and they fell. You know what he's saying in this, in this, in this encouraging psalm? He's saying, God, you were there with me in the past. So why should I be afraid of anything in the present? You didn't fail me then. I know you're not going to fail me now. You see, we serve a God who changes not. Isn't that right? We serve an unchanging God. David says, I'm thinking of all the things that you have done. I'm thinking of all of the past victories. He said, I'm thinking of all the enemies that you, Lord, have vanquished on my behalf. I'm thinking, Lord, of all the mountains that stood in my way and you moved every one of them. I know you were with me there and I you know you will not fail me now. What a great heart, don't you think? That's faith. It's based upon the evidence of what we know who God is, right? That's faith. What is fear? Fear is looking forward into a future and, and really it's the shadow of the things that haven't happened. It's the shadow of what we don't know. And it can strike fear in people's heart because we have no way of controlling what's coming. But our God who is faithful in the past is always faithful and always will be faithful. He says it here. Notice verse 3. Though an army, now he's talking future tense, isn't he? He says, you're my light. You're my salvation. You're my strength. You have never failed me. Hey, but even if an army, verse 3, may encamp against me. Well, we feel like that now, don't we, people? Even if an army is encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. We can have this same deep, settled confidence in God's faithfulness for his people. He's with you, church. Wherever you are, scattered around this world, around this city, he's with you, church. He was with you before this. He's with you now. He will be with you in the future. So no matter what is coming, no matter what is coming, 
I say as David says, and we all must say, Lord, you're my light. Lord, you're my salvation. Lord, you're my strength. And because of that, O most holy God, I know that I'm okay. I know whose table I'm sitting at. I know who's sitting with me. He's right there, people. He's right there in the midst of wherever you are, whatever you are facing. And that very scene speaks of an unbelievable confidence that we can have. It doesn't matter who's knocking at the door. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. He's here with me. Now, I want you to notice something here. The most wonderful thing here is that when we have this type of confidence in the Lord, when we're not giving ourselves over to fear and worry, when we know that he who has always been faithful always will be faithful, when all of that is settled in our hearts, and when I mean by that, when it is comfortably sitting within our hearts, there can only be one thing. There can only be one desire birthed from such a heart that is a desire above all other desires. You know what that is? That's just to seek him. That's to seek him all the more. It's to desire an intimacy of presence with him like never before. It, it, it is, in a sense, it amuses me that we were told just a week ago we can only be one and a half metres away from one another. And now I think it's basically two metres if we want to sit down in the same room together. You know, we're being pushed apart from by this thing. But the reality of what God is saying, we need to draw so close to him, so near to him, so intimately intimately connected with him. And if you have this settled confidence in your heart, child of God, that's all you're going to want. It's all you're going to want. It's all you're going to need. Seek him to have more of his presence. So what does it say? This one thing, verse 4, I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire within his temple. I really believe this is where God wants us to be. I really believe, especially in days like we are in right now, there is so much uncertainty out there. The reality is that fear is ripping through this entire planet. Everyone's afraid of what the future holds. And I understand that. We all understand that. You know, when we, we see things like we see on the news and like we see what's happening in Italy right now with the death rate is just skyrocketing. You know, we see in the US where over 70 million people are in lockdown right now. We see these images of Europe. We see these eerie scenes of empty cities. And everything about it is striking fear into the hearts of people. You know what? And I don't want to make any attempt here this morning to downplay the seriousness of the salvation that humanity is in right now. And yes, we need to listen. Yes, we need to take every precaution. 
We need to take heed of the mistakes that others have made and get it right. And we need to be willing to appropriate life in such a way that is going to require so much sacrifice for the sake not only of ourselves and our loved ones, but the community that is all around us. We need to listen. We need to do what is right, what is prudent right now. But child of God, this world also needs to see the reality and the power of God's love manifest in his people. Look, we have preached it year after year after year. And now they need to witness it. Now they need to see it as we with them are going to face whatever is coming our way. Look, your families, your friends, the people that you work with, the society all around us needs to witness a people of God who not only trust God, but are people who have the most absolute preeminent desire to seek him in everything that we do. You see, here's the problem. Here's the very real problem. Too many people professing Christ when confronted by the real problems of life simply abandon the pursuit of God and they join in that maelstrom of chaos that is out there. Too many do that. Simply abandon the pursuit of God. And they enter into this calamity that's all around us. David is saying... I need to be in the place where the Lord's presence is real. This is who we need to be. I need to be in the place where God is worshipped and God is honoured. This is where our hearts need to be beating right now, Christians. It's got to be the drive of our beings. Now certainly we know in the New Testament church that is the church. And yes, we are told in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but we should be exhorting one another so much more even as we see the day approaching. Even as we see that day approaching. But of course, we can't do that right now, can we? Not as we have become accustomed, no. But what is interesting to me is that when David said these words... Again, just a young man, just a young man, when he said these words, I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of my life. The house of the Lord wasn't even built. It wasn't built. But I believe that what we have here is that the Holy Spirit speaking through David's desire to find a place of closeness and intimacy with the Lord is speaking to every generation of Christian. And of course, that can be where we are right now, where you are seated, in your lounge rooms, out in your porches, Wherever it may be. In fact, it can be wherever and whenever we as the children of God are. We can have that place where we can be in the presence of the Lord all the days of our life. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Do you hear it? The world needs to see genuine, passionate Christianity right now. Right now. 
What did David say? I want to be in your presence. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord and I want to inquire in his temple. The sense of this, and let me repeat it again, is Lord, I know that I'm in constant danger, but I'm not afraid. And I'm not afraid because I know that you are my light. I know that you are my strength. I know that you are my salvation. And I know you've never failed me. You've never failed me. I know you never will. I just want to be near you, Lord. I just want to be near you, Lord. I just want to have that intimacy. I just want to behold your beauty. I want to meditate upon who you are. And brothers and sisters, we don't need to be in a church to do that. We don't need to be in a church to do that. Wherever we are, this is who I want to be for the rest of my life. Not just in this present calamity. No, but for the rest of my life, I want to be someone who is abiding in Christ. Someone who has been transformed by the beauty of his being, of our great and awesome king. I want to be Mary sitting at his feet. Can you picture her? Can you see her right now? As Jesus is speaking, she is sitting at his feet. She's looking into the beauty of his countenance. She's overwhelmed by his presence and the power of the things that's coming from his mouth. She won't be moved from that. I want to be Mary sitting at his feet. I want to be Lazarus sitting at the table next to him. Knowing no matter what's going on outside those walls, no matter what's trying to come in through those doors, doesn't matter because I'm here with him and, and he's here with me and he's the one that has given me life. I want to be with Laz like Lazarus right now. You know, I want to be the woman who anoints the feet of Jesus. I, I want to be able to drop down on my knees before my king and I want to be able to wipe his feet with that anointing oil with the hair of my heart. I want to just lay a hold of him I want to be Mary Magdalene on resurrection morning. I want to throw myself at his feet and I want to clasp hold of him like I'm never going to let him go. I want to be Moses. I want to be Moses coming down from the mountain with my face glowing because I've been in the presence of my king. This is who we need to be. Not overwhelmed by fear. Let us trust him. Let us seek him. And as we do that in our communities, may we all glow with the grace and the kindness and the compassion and the love. Why? Why? Because he's with us right now. Can you all say amen to that? Church, wherever you are around this city, wherever are you around this world, you know he's with you, don't you? You know that he is the great and awesome God and that he is our king. He is our king. Amen. Look, I want to encourage you, church, to be what we have called to be.
You know, there is a verse that has kind of become my verse for these days. And it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul is talking to the last day's believer. And he says, wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Edify one another, even as you also do. In other words, just as you're doing it. Just because geography might be changing for some of us. Christian, let's continue to be the body of Christ, as Marty put it earlier today. Let's be all that God wants us to be. So this world can see that we don't have to live in fear, but we can live in absolute victory. Knowing that God, as we sang, is always working. Always working. Amen? Look, next week, I want to encourage you to be prepared for communion. So wherever you are, have some communion bread. And let's not do a run on on grape juice and empty the shelves of grape juice in all the shops. Let's not be like the world. (coughs) But let's be prepared to gather around the table together. Remember John on Patmos? He was there by himself. But the Lord and the power of the Lord's presence was with him. And he knew that those believers that were in Ephesus, the ones that he loved with all of his heart, he knew they were linked, they were together, and nothing would separate them. And that is nowhere better expressed than when we gather around the communion table and we remember what Christ has done for us as a body. We remember that high priestly prayer of Jesus when he prayed that the Lord would make us one with him even as he was one with the Father. That's what communion's all about. That's what it's all about. So would you bless one another this coming week as you prepare your heart to gather in the sanctuary of the Lord? Would you, would you just realise that he's with you? Would you realise that he's shining his light? He is your light. He himself. He is your salvation. He saved you. He's saving you. And he will save you. And he is your strength, your strong tower. He himself. Draw near to him. Be with him. Seek that absolute intimacy. And he will show this world we don't need to be afraid. Our God is great and awesome. Amen? We're going to worship the Lord together one more time and invite the guys to come forward. Pray you'll have a blessed week and that you'll be a blessing. Amen.